for Jar Jar Binks. You are listening to Behind the Lens. And yes, indeed, you are listening to Behind the Lens. And thank you for that, Jar Jar Binks. A perfect, perfect opening after this perfectly delightful Star Wars weekend. Uh, I'm Debbie Lightis, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens. Uh, you can find me around the globe and print and online 24-7 with movie reviews, interviews, and on YouTube with red carpet interviews and videos of behind, every show for Behind the Lens. And every Monday you can find me right here with my trusty cohort, Brian Leone, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on AdrenalineRadio.com and our sister station, AdviceRadio.com. So welcome this week before Christmas. It is the week before Christmas, is it not, Brian? You're wearing you're wearing your ugly Christmas sweater, and you took off your light bulbs. Yeah, uh, the reason I took off my light bulbs, I'm a little louder than you there. All right, here we go. Uh, the reason I took off my light bulbs is because they're they're really uh, they're noisy. Here, I will. Your light bulbs are noisy. I'll show you. Oh, Brian is going to give us a, a sound effect. Well, that's if you're jingling the things. Oh well, yeah, but look around my neck. Look. Oh, you know what? I'll keep wearing them then. Turn I, them on. They I, blink. Yeah. You know what? I, I was thinking of actually I'll, I'll run in there and hang them up on the on one of the reels over there as soon as I get a chance over here. <laughs> Just because me wearing them and then describing them to the audience does nothing for them. Well, so. yes. They, they do need the full effect. They do. So while I am in there. And I do not wear light bulbs. Well, I go do that. This. Well, a Just lovely like, Christmas interlude. I have, I have a really nice one. I just... You, here we go. All right, fine. This is my favorite, so I'm going to go in there and change it up. Okay, come on. So, listen to this musical interlude while Brian takes off his headphones, puts on his Santa hat, or his Steelers hat. And let's see. Can we do it? Maybe. You should have put it on the top one instead. It'll show up better on the camera. Okay, look at this. Yes, we are live, people. Live with shenanigans today. And for those of you, today is an exciting show, actually. Um, We have a guest I'm so looking forward to having. Uh, I have interviewed his sister before. Uh, You've heard excerpts of that interview on Behind the Lens. Uh, Ben Rausch, actor, singer. Ben is moving. He was one of the four seasons in Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys. Uh, Ben has a new single out called Jersey Christmas and a music video. Uh, This is all a precursor to his his wonderful um, debut album that comes out next year, Tales from the Turnpike. So I can't wait for to have Ben on and we actually have permission that we get to play his song. So that'll be coming up shortly. Unfortunately, we were also going to have uh, filmmaker, writer, director, filmmaker Vanessa Hope with us to talk about her documentary, All Eyes and Ears, uh, looking at the relationship between the U.S. and China following. It was a multi-year journey as she followed uh, U.S. Ambassador John Huntsman, uh, his daughter, Gracie May, and uh, the legal ad- Chinese legal advocate who was under house arrest in China eventually sought asylum with the U.S. Embassy, uh, Shen Guang Chen. Unfortunately, she is stuck in midair today on a flight, so she won't be joining us, but we're going to reschedule Vanessa as soon as we can because in this uh, very polarizing political time and in light of recent events between the U.S. and China uh, and President-elect Trump's tweet tweeting, habits. Um, I think Vanessa's going to have some interesting things to say about her documentary, which, by the way, she recut after the presidential election. So she is more than timely with her material, and it is a very worthwhile documentary. You can get it now. So anybody has a chance, see All Eyes and Ears, but we'll let you know when Vanessa, when uh, we get her rebooked when she's on the ground. But in the meantime, so what was this weekend, Brian? What was this weekend yeah. was uh, December 16th, 2016. Yes. Uh, the McRib is back. The McRib is back. That's not what I was looking for. Well, that's what I'm excited about. Oh, fine. Well, we finally, all of us, because 
And I, I, in my podcast, we do box office reviews. And uh, just to kind of cross the two shows together, just real quick, I'm not even going to give my name unless you want me to, to give my Yes, and Brian's show is Nothing in Particular Podcast, and I pop up on there on occasion with him. Yes, and uh, we do the, the the countdown of the box office, and just real just real quickly, yes. I mean, Rogue One, in three days, yes. has made $155 million. Yes, but I know what the inter- what the entire international take is. Do you? I haven't looked at it. Hang on. Let me see what we're doing here. Okay, I am opening up the page for the international Should I tell market. you? You tell me, and then I'll, I won't believe you. $290 million. Two hundred ninety point five million. Oh. So it's another half a million, which is different. You know, half a million makes a difference to me. It it In does. My life, it actually it does. I I was there. I was I I didn't get to do midnight screening because I'm responsible and I'm here on Friday mornings. But mm-hmm. I did go to go watch. So you went to go watch it also, right? I've seen it three times already. Is that a screeners or you paid for it? No, I actually paid because they had you know semi super secret press screenings one night on one day last week. Uh, I was here doing the show live, so could not go to those. Sorry. They had one more, and I tried to make it, and after two and a half hours driving to get there, my transmission, don't ever buy a Ford Focus, people. That's all I can tell you. Um, Worst transmission problems in the world, and I get an, an error message and little red lights and bells going off saying, transmission overheating, hot. Pull over safely. Wait five minutes. The yeah, only pull pro- over safely. The only problem is when you're stuck in a traffic jam, there is nowhere to pull. Uh, so that was exciting. So I did not make it to see it. So I actually, like the rest of of the people in the world, I paid to see the 7 o'clock show in 3D Thursday night. Then I had to go back Friday morning. You had to. I had to. You have to go back. And then you're probably going to go back a couple more times. Oh, then I went back again on Saturday. Uh, you did. I, I did. I didn't get a chance to go back, but I am going to go watch it again. Because it's one of those movies where there is so much going on in the in the foreground that you miss what's going on in the background. Yeah, I've seen something new each of the three times I've seen the film. And we won't talk about it uh, plot-wise in general, but Rogue One has been out for three days, so get on it, get in there, because it's it's going to get spoiled eventually. Not on here, but so right. you're going to read a spoiler somewhere around there. But it- and there are so many out there, and you know, curiosity gets the best of people. So even everybody who's saying, spoiler alert, you know it's not going to stop people from reading for uh, onward because uh, curiosity is killing them. I, uh, you know, I, I tend to uh, post when I go watch a film and I'm usually very vague about it. I'll give yes. it a rating with this one. I didn't, I just said, you know, I even put in my caption, no spoilers. Cause somebody was talking about it in the comment section and I had to uh, delete their comment, but which is one reason I rarely, as you know, I rarely comment or even indicate when I'm screening something. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, we do have people on on social media that we both know that just kind of abuse that that situation. Yes, but I, I I liked it. I think if you're a casual star, you know what I read online actually, somebody was complaining that they didn't. Where was Ray and Finn? I read that comment on a Facebook post. And it was a ser- I thought they I thought they were trolling. No, but it was serious. There was a lot of that going around. People, guys, girls, people. This is a prequel. This is um. This is like the sand. It's a, if if you take the two films, uh, the two trilogies as a sandwich. This is like the lettuce in the middle. This is before Han Solo and Princess Leia. This is after Anakin Skywalker and young Obi Wan Kenobi from the original trilogy from the. Yes, Prequels. after you and McGregor. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at. So there is no Anakin Skywalker. There is no young Obi Wan Kenobi. But there isn't any uh, Finn and Ray or BB-8 no. or no. or Kylo. But we are in the middle of like the Empire. So like, yes. I mean, I can't even talk about who shows up in this movie because it was a complete like. It is. There are so many Easter eggs in there, and there are so many surprises, and. You know, it, this is something that we had talked about with Jungle Book when we were talking. I was talking about the technology and the photorealism uh, of everything. That that same level of technology has now allowed the magicians behind Star behind Rogue One, a Star Wars story, to 
deliver some beyond memorable, gasp-worthy yep. images and sequences. There is one sequence. I don't want to talk about it. I, I'm going to leave it there. But let's look at the Star Wars countdown. But we please. still have Star Wars countdown. We yes, do. indeed. We, and as soon as they announced the Han Solo and, and the uh, – I think they're doing a Han Solo and a, and a young Yoda – yeah, movie. as soon as we have those dates, Brian will be adding those to the Star Wars countdown. But for Star Wars Episode Eight, we have 360 days, 12 hours, and 49 minutes to go. So that's a long time. That's a long time. But in the meantime, we have Rogue One to see as many times as your little heart desires. Because I know that uh, some of my TCM peeps out there, I know that you're you're less than enamored with it. Uh, and... I'm so sad over that, but uh, everybody, you should give it a chance, and a little later in the show, you are going to hear from my exclusive interview with cinematographer Greg Frazier, cinematographer on Rogue One, and the incredible true story of Saru Brierly uh, starring Dev Patel, which is in theaters now. You would not think that this man could create both worlds and lens them so beautifully. And uh, he and I talked about that. So you're going to hear that a little later on. I'm trying to figure out if this is Ben calling in or who Brian is talking to on the phone. Who are we talking to, Brian? Do we know? who we, is, it, is it Ben? Oh, we do. A timely young man. A timely young man. So we're going we're gonna to take Ben a little early here, aren't we? We're ready to go. Well, what a timely young man you are, Ben Roush. <laughs> How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. It's good to be on, on the air with you guys. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. By the way, how's your sister? She's great. She's doing wonderful. She and I had the most fun interview back in March. Oh, that's awesome. For her film, The Bronze, which... Yeah. That is still one of, one of my favorite performances and films of the year. It is so raunchy and hilarious. She is <laughs> she is amazing. You know, she so, is the best. So you know, when Tim reached out to me about your you know music career and your music video and your new song, and he goes, "I know, you know, you do film and TV." I said, "But music is all part of this." I said, yeah. I, "I would love to have Ben on the show." Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. But, I mean, this is, and of course, you are a New Jerseyite. Yes, I'm from, from New Jersey, raised from a very young age. Yeah, my parents still live there. You know, and that's so important. I'm from Philly, and my grandparents' house was down at, in Barnegat in southern Jersey. Oh, my God. So, you know, it's... That's awesome. There is a kinship. So when I hear somebody doing a song called Jersey Christmas... It's like right away, all right, I got to see what this is all about. That's right. Exactly. So, so this is, I have to say, I am I am in love. And we're going to play the song a little bit later in the show. Awesome. Um, so everybody can hear it. I've seen a music video, which is, yeah. is hilarious. Thank you. But the song itself, it is so Springsteen, 80s Springsteen, it's fabulous. <laughs> That's what we were going for. I'm a big fan of him and, and Bon Jovi. All those, anyone that was born in New Jersey, I'm a fan of Frankie Valley. Well, gee, I wonder why you're a fan of Frankie Valley. <laughs> I just, I just can't imagine. I mean, <laughs> I mean, here you are. I mean, before we get into Jersey Christmas, let's talk about Jersey Boys. Sure. And your love of Frankie Valley and how you got cast in. Jersey Boys, directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so, I, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of music. Not that, you know, I'm, I grew up in the 60s, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. But, uh, you know, Frankie, that, I mean, it's just, it's in, it's in the Jersey culture. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's, he's so, so amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I grew up uh, singing, um I grew up singing in a, a doo-wop group. Um, I grew up singing in a doo-wop group in high school where we, we would do, we were a group of freshmen, sophomore, junior, and senior. We called, we changed our name every year as freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior. And I was a high soprano, you know, high tenor, you know, 
that we'll do all the Frankie Valli type of songs and all our doo-wop things. And, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up, like, singing in falsetto and barbershop doo-wop things. And then, you know, as an actor, you know, I've been in a bunch of other things, you know, as TV and film. And um, this movie came up, you know, where there was auditions and they were looking for, you know, a guy that played keyboard and actually sang and danced. And, you know, I sent in an audition tape. It was, it was they were casting out of L.A. I'm New York based, and I... I sent in this audition tape, and um, they uh, they cast me from the audition tape. You know, I played a couple of Frankie, Va- you know, four seasons tunes on the tape, and sang and played. And then they, you know, next thing I know, I get a call from my agent, and they're and they're like, "Yeah, you you got five days on Jersey Boys as one of the four seasons. You know, the keyboardist singer for the four seasons." I was like, "Crazy!" Get to work with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, how how is that for a young actor like yourself? Because, as you said, you've got some one-offs on TV. You had a recurring role on Gossip Girl. You know, you've, yeah. you've had, you know, you, you've got your foot in the door, and you've got a lot of stage experience. But then you, you get to work with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it's it's surreal. I mean, because he's, you know, he's just been doing this for so long. I mean, he's been, he's worked with everyone and anyone, and, He's a legend, and you know he's there, and he's there on set, and you're like, you see him, and you're like, oh my god, this is him right in front of me, and and then he comes over, you know, he's a he's a keyboard player and musician too. He's a he's a musician as well. He writes a lot of the scores for mm-hmm. for his his movies, and he um you know he came over to me while I was you know rehearsing with the keyboard music, and he said, oh, what key is this in? Is that you know it's in is an E flat, and it's like yeah, and he plays a chord over my shoulder. He's like tinkling with some of the chords and. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm shooting shooting the the ass with Clint Eastwood. You know, <laughs> Clint Eastwood didn't want to come on board for Jersey Christmas, though, huh? No, I didn't. I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him. He's more of a West Coast guy. He would have been. I don't know. I don't know what part I would have uh, given him. You know. You know, I, um, I well, considering you picked up the Marty McFly Back to the Future look, I, I think that might have been an interesting look for him in the music video. He could have been. He could have been Doc. You know, he'd be like a a, a tough Doc. You know, that would be Christopher Lloyd. You know, he, yeah. he could do that part. So you know, as an actor, how beneficial is that to you to work with somebody like Clint Eastwood? What do you learn when you work with with Clint Eastwood that you can take forward to your other projects? I think you know it's it's the humility. I mean, he he's. He's just so you expect him to someone like that to be bossy and scream screaming and you know uh, pushing people around. That's the stereotype of like you know a, a major person like that. And he and of course I know from being in the industry for so long, the, the people that have been doing it for a long time and that are really successful are the exact opposite of that. They're giving and they're 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 polite and they're generous and they they know how to talk to people. And he he's just like that. You know the way he talks to other actors, the way he directs them and. He very often doesn't even call. He doesn't even call action. He just says, "Whenever you're ready, you know, do whenever you're ready, you know." And uh, that's kind of a cool thing to watch, you know, just to to see his his process and you know learn from that myself, you know. That uh, I mean, I'm I'm that way myself, you know. Anyway, you know, I don't I don't I'm not a power hungry guy, you know. Uh, but he it just it's amazing to watch him, do, and he's so energetic. Like people are yawning after 11 hours of shooting, and he's just you know still right on right on the money you know and just like fit and you know awake and present uh, so is that where you're about ba- is that why you have such boundless energy clint eastwood is now your inspiration <laughs> i don't know yeah maybe i mean I, I i love what i do i love this you know i love performing and i love creating and um that's i think where it comes from you know well, I know you. You've always been a, a, a songwriter because you have you've entered the USA songwriting competitions, the international songwriting competitions. Yeah. You know what is it? What is it that songwriting and music gives you that acting doesn't, or is it all combined into the same thing? It's it's really for me. It's all combined into the same thing. I I, I write mostly for myself. Um, so I write, you know, thinking when I'm, when I'm writing these lyrics and writing, which I co-wrote the song with, uh, Gabby Gold, who's one of my songwriting partners, who's phenomenal, and I wrote all the music, and, um, you know, when, when I'm, when we're writing, I'm thinking, like, how am I going to present this as an actor? How, how am I going to communicate this? What's going to be funny? So it's really, it's really one and the same for me. You know, people would say, what are you? And I said, well, I'm an artist, you know, I'm an actor, singer, musician, dancer, you know, and that, maybe in that order. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it's really all, all part of the same thing. As a songwriter, you know, I get to create my own vehicle. You know, I don't have to wait for somebody else to write something that really fits me perfectly. I mm-hmm. can create, create however I want. And, and, and very often I, I come up with things, you know, which is the greatest part of the creative process like that. I didn't think I was going to come up with. I think every artist goes through that. Like it, it becomes something that you did, didn't think it would be. And that's what's really exciting. It's like coming from another place. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, while we have you on the line, I want Brian to play a little bit of Jersey Christmas, and then we're going to talk about these these lyrics that you came up with. Sure. So don't hang up. Okay. Sure. Short of Cape May, blasting Bon Jovi out the back of his sleigh. A gang of kids yank off his beard at the mall. As we carol around the cul-de-sac, we yell, we don't sing. The bells here don't go ding dong, they go bada bing. And that is just a taste of Jersey Christmas. Ben, I mean, I just, I can't help but smile when I hear that song. Thank you. Thanks. Now, you know, the words, very catchy. The tune is great. The lyrics are extremely catchy and very telling and so period perfect for the 80s and Jersey. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we loved it. We had a blast writing it. What was the writing process for you and Gabby like? Well, you know, we came first, it always starts with an idea. You know, we came up with this idea. You know, we're like, oh, we got to, you know, as a songwriting team, we got to have our, you know, we have to have a holiday classic or Christmas song, whatever it is. And uh, maybe we'll write a Kwanzaa song next year. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of Kwanzaa songs out there yet. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we just said, oh, yeah, like, we want to do a funny song because I primarily write comedy music and so we're like i'm from jersey and uh that people like to laugh at jersey and you know there's so much there's a the thing in jersey about is you know the christmas there is different than anywhere else we kind of do it or like a, our own way so we started you know just brainstorming on lyrics and like you know, like oh, what are we going to reference what are we going to reference oh like oh easy pass and who, who's from new jersey that you know that that changed the world you know that that the holidays wouldn't be the way they are if it wasn't for them like Edison we mentioned Edison and mm-hmm. you know Bruce Springsteen you know putting that Bruce Springsteen's Christmas songs on the radio and listening to that you know every year and Bon Jovi and uh, Frankie Valli and all these people you know and how, how do what do we eat that that's different than other places and you know just that's the fun part like brainstorming that and figuring that out and then seeing how 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 it works within a song and the style of the song and figuring that out and uh, you know, Santa, like, how is, Santa, how is Santa, are Santa different than other places? You know, our Santa doesn't say, ho, oh, he says, A, 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 you know, which is, you know, very Sopranos, you know, very, you know, it's, it's different, you know, so we, we, that's, that was the process for us, and then editing it and tweaking it and, you know, making it better and, like, which word, you know, is it a singular or plural, and just like every songwriter does, you know, just tweaking it to make it, you know, sparkle a bit more. Mm-hmm. Now, what came first, the music or the lyric? I tend to write, you know, from lyrics to music. Um, I That's just my process. I think, for me, the story comes from the, the lyrics mostly, especially because people generally, like, listen to that more. I mean, they, they think, oh, what is this about? And it, it, it's told through lyrics. Um, so for me, it, it usually comes from the lyrics. You know, I've written some music and then come up with lyrics after that. But for me, it's like 95% of the time, lyrics first, and then music comes out of that. Mm-hmm. So now, do you do your own arrangements, or do you bring in an arranger to do this? No, I, I pretty much do all my own arrangements. Um, you know, all the, the, 
the the form of this song uh, and the saxophone. I wrote the saxophone part out. You know, I'm a musician. I'm a screen musician. I read music, and so I wrote out the saxophone part. And and then a, a lot of the you know the, the style uh, comes and the way it was mixed. Uh, Jason Eagle, who's the producer on this, who you know worked with Beyonce and Jay Z and John Legend and Megan Trainer, and the list is tremendous. I'm blessed to work with this guy. He. Um, you know, he played the guitar and bass on it and mixed it and engineered it and, you know, produced it. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of suggestions from him as well. But we were, Jason and I were really on the same page with a lot of, a lot of things. He's from, he's from Jersey too. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the sensibility yeah, I, is there. You need that, that sensibility. I agree. Yeah. He, it's, it's really important to have an, even if you're sure, I feel like as an artist, even if you're sure, like this is the way it's supposed to be. Having another person outside of you to to say, "Oh yeah, he, yeah, you're right." Like just gives it confirmation, and and you know, even if there's one one or two things, I mean, he gave so many suggestions. But even if there's just one or two things that someone from the outside can like change and make it a tiny bit better, I think it's always it's always good, you know, to have that. Mm-hmm. So now, once you got the song, obviously, and I don't think we see enough of them anymore. Music videos. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that, this medium. You know, it's, it's, it's such a special thing. And, you know, MTV used to play videos, you know, they used to play music videos, same with VH1. They don't, I, I, they don't do that anymore. I worked on over 200 music videos out here in L.A. early in my career. Did two, Did two albums worth um, either PAing or ADing on Rick Springfield videos. No way. That's amazing. So I have a great affection and love for music videos. Yes. Yeah, it's it's specialized. I mean, I think it's like our. I mean, there's more of a musical theater musical type of thing coming back mm-hmm. uh, to the mainstream. But I think it's it's that's what it is. It's really Broadway musical theater, you know, which I'm influenced by, and um, in in three minutes, in three minutes or yeah. less, you know. Um, so I, I love that. I love that, and you can go into a different world in, in a split second, which is which is beautiful. Well, you certainly went into a different world. You went back to the future with <laughs> with uh, <clears throat> with Jersey Christmas. How did you go about designing the music video? Did you have input into that as well in terms of the Back to the Future theme, uh, you know, the DeLorean, you know, the Marty McFly, you know, puffy vest, uh, you know, and then, I mean, the whole look from the, the Madonna teased, hairsprayed girls, <laughs> you know, to the actual, you know, beaches. I mean, yeah. you really cover the gamut here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, for me, going back in time to, like, the old-fashioned days is the 80s. You know, for someone that grew up in the 80s or the 60s, and um, it's a different take on, like, the old-fashioned times, because that's really what it is for a lot of people nowadays. And uh, the fact, I'm just a huge fan of Back to the Future. I actually, it's interesting, Michael J. Fox and I are exactly the same height. And uh, I, I, I was actually his stand-in for a, a Spin City uh, promo, like, a, a while back. And I got to meet him and, and Charlie Sheen and Heather Locklear, all the people that are on that. And I was like, Michael J. Fox's stand-in. So it's, it's, it's fun. And, and I love that movie. I just It's like one of the best movies, I think, ever made. Um, they studied in film school. They studied a script in film schools. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, you know, I thought that'd be fun to, like, go back in time for this and to have a DeLorean. You know, you can't go wrong. Uh, I'm blessed that, like, a lot of people apparently in New Jersey have DeLorean, so it's able to rent <laughs> one from a guy. Yeah. You know. How involved were you with the logistics? Because you've also got Serena Soffer as your choreographer. Yeah, she is amazing. She is, and she's a Jersey girl, too. I worked with her uh, doing musical, like, I don't know, over five years ago, this musical called Star Might that was on Broadway, and she was a choreographer of that, and I knew her before then. You know, we, I used to take dance class, and she used to teach and take class as well, and, and uh, we met taking dance class and, you know, became friends and then worked with each other, and, and then she was, like, my first, you know, and I thought, like, who can do this that knows Jersey that's going to, like, put humor into it? She, it was her. And then, um, you know, Stephen Nakami, who, you know, has worked on Broadway and, you know, regional theater and genius, uh, director, he came on, and then, you know, uh, Pat Kusudilis was the scenic designer who designed all that stuff, all those different things, and then Elizabeth Flores, who blew away the costume thing, I mean, she's unbelievable, with, with all those 80s costumes, you know, she got, 
um, to dress people like that. It's oh, like, come oh my on. God, I can't believe we used to wear this. Come on. You and I both know they were hanging in the closets of people, you know, that you know. <laughs> come on. We know this. I, I wish that, you know, that would have, that would have, that would have been easier. You know, people just, there were some people actually, there were some people like some of the extras dancers, you know, that had some stuff in their closet and they were just like, look what I have. And I'm like, oh my God, that's in perfect condition. How did- see, I, I see a perfect marriage here with you and, and writer director Joe Pepitone, who's also in New Jersey. He did the film, the Jersey devil that was out, oh, right. that was out earlier this year. I see a great marriage here. With you and Joe working together on something, I would love. I would love to meet him. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, we need to bring more film work out here to the East Coast, anyway. Yeah, and I, I know he's. And I know that Joe's working on a sequel to Jersey Devil. Really? And of course, it's shot where in Jersey. Nice. I gotta. I have to uh, get in touch with him, and and uh, yeah. That's, that's a good suggestion. My, my mind is just reeling here listening to you. It's like, oh, my God, this would be a perfect collaboration. I would. That sounds good to me. You know, I'm, I'm down <laughs> to do some more films. You know, what it, how do you go about balancing everything that you're doing, Ben, between, you know, your acting roles on stage, your acting roles, uh, you know, on TV and, you know, some film, and now your music career, because you've also got your debut album, Tales from the Turnpike, is coming out next year. Yeah. That takes yeah, time. Um, you wrote you wrote a whole you wrote a whole album and you've recorded it. Yep. That takes time balancing with everything else. So what's the secret for you? How do you do it? Uh, accepting I'm completely off balance. That's the <laughs> that's the secret. Uh, just to accept. No, I mean, I think I, I just love it. You know, it's like I, at the end of the day, if I work for 13, 14 hours, I think to myself, man, I got to get something done today. I really think that it's, it's maybe I'm a little bit crazy, you know, but I think like, what did I do today? And then I have to remind myself, you did all these things. And I just don't want to, I don't want to stop. You know, I don't want to stop, you know, like producing and, and, you know, working and developing, you know, I just, I love, I love that. That's the, the beauty of this whole thing. But it's also, you know, I have to ask myself what I really want to do as an artist next. You know, there's projects that come up or I get offered and I have to say, uh, I love I love that idea, but I don't know if that's the right timing for me to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of that. And I, and I ask people, you know, it's like good to have people that are around and, and say, what do you think and what do you think we should do on this? But yeah, I mean, the album is like first priority, you know, getting that out and there'll be uh, some more music videos for that. I'm looking forward to that. And uh more references to Jersey. You know, there's a lot of more references to Jersey in that in that in that album. And um, well, if it's ta- a song if about it, your Jersey diners, if it's Tales oh. from the Turnpike, I would hope so. <laughs> right. Tell me yeah. you didn't just go up and down each exit on the Turnpike or, or the Parkway, and like just title songs: Exit Seven, Exit Seven A, <laughs> right? Exit That's Seven, right. Exit Seven, Fort Dix. Exit, That's right. Exit Seven A, Great Adventure. That's right. Oh my God! You don't. Know, you know that uh, the girl from Exit Eleven. My yeah. Love off of Exit Twelve. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. We uh, there's like just different mentions of different things in Jersey, specifically Jersey diners, because I think we do diners better than better than anywhere. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yep. It's, yeah. You can get everything at the diner. There's diners that are serving sushi now. It's, it's crazy. Oh, it's. In, I mean, it's, when I was growing up, that was always the big treat. You know, down at Forked River, down at the harbor, uh, at the marina, there was a diner. It's still there to this day. On it's on Route Nine, and that wow. would be the treat on Friday night for the all-you-could-eat fried fish, and nice. and Manhattan clam chowder. And my grandparents oh, okay. would take the four of us, and that was the real treat. You get to go to the diner, right? You know, and yeah. my my dad grew up with a great affection, you know, for the diner. And I know some people may find this crass, but when my mother passed away after the, you know, after the services, my father had everybody gather, you know, for a luncheon at the diner. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's mean, a very East Coast, you know, Jersey, Philly thing. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The dinner special, those in Jersey, uh, like last week and... I went to a diner with my friend, and I was like, and, and I was like, can you get soup and salad with this? And, and, and a side dish, and like, yeah, and dessert, too. And like, oh, for $17, amazing. 
Oh, um, well, yeah, and that is the big thing. I know years ago my dad called me one day because his regular Thursday night was going to the diner to eat. And he was very upset because they had changed the menu so you couldn't get two vegetables and a potato. You got a potato yeah. and one vegetable. So it was like the world was coming to an end. That's serious stuff. And because he, because he was such a good customer, the owner yeah. said, no, that's okay, Mr. Elias. You can still get your two vegetables and your potato. That is awesome. That's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? You but, can't, like, set a precedent and then break it. Yeah. So, you know, these are the kind of... Other people wouldn't get that. You understand that philosophy. <laughs> I remember that diner that did that. I remember two diners that did that, you know? Um, yeah. It was a shoot one diner. I mean, the song and album is about, you know, we have great diners and we have some not-so-great not diners. Right. And it's amazing how some of the not-so-great diners still survive more than the, not, the, the great diners. And uh, this morning there's a song that I wrote with my sister's husband, Winston, Winston Roush, and it's about, uh, it's called uh, I Don't Know Why, and it's about going to a diner that you know every time is going to be really bad and still you go back and you swear the next time you won't go back again but you end up going back you can't you can't help yourself you just have to go back for some reason and and the name of that song is what so i know to definitely look for it on the album <laughs> it's called i don't know why it's one of the it's one of the only ballads uh it's a, a love hate ballad about about a diner oh know? my god have you written anything about the beaches? Um, you know, there was a song uh, that Winston and I wrote together uh, called At the Water's Edge that came out as a single about three years ago to help the victims of Hurricane Sandy, mm-hmm. you know, rebuild. We, we, we did it as a benefit. Yeah, you were one uh, of the so, performers, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was that was our song about a beach, you know, where, you know, it's called At the Water's Edge and about, you know, rebuilding um, after Hurricane Sandy. That's still, there's still a video on my my YouTube, uh, Ben Roush Music, there's still a video for that. And, yeah, but everything else is really not, there's not that I can think of, there's no nothing about a beach, except for Jersey Christmas, I and mean, we shot that at some scene down in Asbury Park, which was uh, beautiful. I mean, we're blessed. What time of year did you shoot the video? We shot it about two weeks before we released it. So we released it, uh, I think, about two and a half weeks ago, and, uh, and we shot... Two weeks before that, we edited really quickly. Um, Adam Bolrich, uh, he was our editor, and he just like cranked it out. You know, he's such a pro. And so we shot it. Uh, we shot. I think we shot the day before election day, and then on election day, because um, we were coming back when we were starting to get results of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those were the two days we shot. So it's like about a month ago. And here you are talking to me today on the day the electoral the electoral college is voting. That's right. That's right. We'll see what happens with that. It'll be it'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah. But, so what is I got to ask you because now you you wrote Jersey Christmas with Gabby, but now you're mentioning, you know, writing songs with Melissa's husband Winston. Yeah. You know, do you change up writing partners a lot? Uh I do. Yeah. I mean, I think I you know, I write some some songs completely myself, but I like co-writing lyrics. It just helps me, I think bounce stuff off people. Mm-hmm. And so I have, uh, you know, Gabby Gold is one of my co-lyricists. There's another couple songs of hers on uh, on the album. And then Winston uh, Roush, who's my sister's husband, we write a, a bunch together. And uh, and then uh, Rory Scholl, who's the other lyricist on the album, and he he's, him and I write sort of about four songs on the album together. And he's, so that those are my, like, three main guys. But, yeah, I, I like co-writing lyrics for some reason. I mean, it just it helps me, I think. And music, you just want to write by yourself. Yeah, it comes to me faster. You know, like the the music, I, I can it just I I just can sit with it easier by myself. But lyrics, I like having someone to bounce off words and ideas with. So it's like it's lonely. You know, like songwriting can be lonely. I mean, some of these writers, you know, like Stephen King, who's like one of my favorites. You know, I can't some of his stuff I can't read. It's too scary. But like he writes for five hours a day alone, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to sit. By myself that much. So, yeah, I get lonely. Oh, oh, yeah. you're going to have to write about Jersey loneliness next. That's right, yeah. But I call my mom. <laughs> but now, do you think that that is also another reason why you like this constant change up with, you know, with television and film and stage because of being around people and the collaborative effort? But then when you want to delve into your songwriting, you do have 
there's that that quiet space that's just yours. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, wait, can you, can you repeat that? We cut out for a little bit. Oh, I was going to say, do you think that, you know, the whole mix you have of television, film and stage, you know, which is very collaborative and always involving other people, but then you have this one little space for your songwriting, writing music, that that one bit that is just you and you alone, that that's how you balance it out. Yeah, I think definitely. I think as an artist, it's, you know, actors, uh, just acting itself, I mean, actors really like to play all different types of parts. Mm-hmm. Very often people get cast as, like, the leading man, and it's hard for them to break out of that, or, or the comedian. Like, Robin Williams is one of my favorite actors, and he broke out of it, and he did yeah. some of the best dramatic actor, acting on film. You know, and he's probably one of the funniest comedic actors we've ever had, you know, alive. And, um, you know, so I, I think it's it's... As an artist, it's enjoyable to try new things, and I think when I when I do a singing job, it helps my acting. And when I go and I do a play or you know do, do a dance, some type of dance thing, it helps. It helps my piano playing. You know, it, it all helps. Like I stretch before I play the piano. People are always like, "Why are you stretching before you play the piano?" Because my whole body, you know, is involved in that. You know, right. if my leg is tight or you know not not free, my arms and my hands are not going to be free, and, and it's going to be. It w- I won't play as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow. Sensitivity, I think. So now where can everybody listen to and find Jersey Christmas and see Jersey Christmas music video? Uh, You can go to, uh, if you go to YouTube.com slash Ben Rausch Music, B-E-N-R-A-U-C-H Music, uh, you can find the the Jersey Christmas music video there. And uh, my my Facebook fan page is uh, Ben Rausch Updates. there and uh yeah so those are the two places you can check it out and and itunes uh spotify anywhere the digital music is streamed okay uh, so people so people they can download they can download the song from there yeah yeah you can buy it on itunes or or play it on spotify if you have a spotify account and and it'll stream well i think everybody should it's a week until christmas and this song really it sounds christmasy it has a springsteen vibe but yet it is all ben roush i mean i think it's it is the perfect holiday tune to add to your playlist thank you yeah i I hope everyone enjoys it Uh, ben this has been an absolute treat tell me you will come back when your album drops i would love that would be amazing i would love to come back Wonderful. Then we can talk because then by then I will have listened to every song on there and, and we can really nitpick about New Jersey. Awesome. That sounds good. We'd love to do that, right? All right. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. And that was Ben Roush with Jersey Christmas. And Brian, can we pick up and play a little bit more of that? Yeah, so let's uh, play one of our PCAs, and then we'll lead into the song. Or should we do song and then PCA? Let's do the song, and we'll go into a PSA. Okay. All right, so this is uh, Jersey Christmas, which you can download, which is pretty cool, because I like this one. Yes, on iTunes, Spotify, yes, indeed. All right, so here it is. Short of Cape May, blasting Bon Jovi out the back of his sleigh. A gang of kids yank off his beard at the mall. As we camp around the cul-de-sac, we yell, we don't sing. The bells here don't go ding dong, they go bada bing. Thank you. 
Watch Rudolph the Red Nose Get so bomb he can't see it Line up the peppermint schnapps He's been the hit in all year So let's eat pizza and then play some speedball Meeting out down at the diner For a late night fight Here Frankie Valley's on the jukebox Singing Silent Night If it weren't Crazy with Crazy Bitches 2. That's right. The team behind Crazy Bitches is back and needs your help to bring Crazy Bitches 2 to life. You can back the film and do your holiday shopping at the same time thanks to fun swag and exciting opportunities that will ship just in time to put under or on your tree. Christmas ornaments turn deadly when mommies behave badly and someone can't take it anymore. So go crazy. Join the Crazy Bee Nation and go to the Indiegogo campaign at igg.me backslash at backslash crazy bs2 crazy b nation crazy bitches 2 and we are back welcome back to behind the lens i'm debbie elias film critic creator and host of behind the lens you can find us every week live on adrenalineradio.com mondays 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern the audio for today's show will be up later today on my website, movieshockdeblore.com. It will be on iTunes. Yes, we have an iTunes channel. It will be up. And then we are, shoot everything with two cameras and do post-production. So you'll get to see a video with the show and a little clip insert, video of image inserts of our guest Ben Rausch's wonderful music video, Jersey Christmas. And that's probably about 10 days to two weeks down the road. But... Other than that, you'll be able to hear all of this. And a huge thanks to Ben for calling in today. That was fabulous. A great Christmas treat. I, I want to add real quickly that he just called back right now to say thank you. Oh, And that's the first time that's ever happened. Wow. And, and I, 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 that guy was so cool. I just wanted to say that on air. Oh, that, that's uh, so sweet. Of how cool he is. He called back and really was appreciative. And, and, and I, we appreciate you, Ben. Yes. And yes, Ben, as all of our guests, all of our guests have open invitations to come back anytime since they're always busy and they're always working and they always have something new to talk about. That's that's a cool part about the people that we've had on is that they're constantly working on new projects and it's fun to watch them progress forward with, yeah. with new adventures and, and ventures like that. I yeah. like it. I like the show. Well, I like it too. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to like it. Two years in, I'm, I'm barely starting to kind of. No, we're, we're starting three years, January. Yeah, we're, I'm barely starting to kind of get used oh, to it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but something else that we both like, and we started talking about at the top of the show, Rogue One. Mr. Chacha Pinks, you are listening to Behind the Lens. Well, yes, we yes you are. Jar Jar is right, and I had the good fortune. I've been doing a lot of interviews. Uh, on the award of the potential awards films for this year. And let me tell you, there's some fabulous, fabulous films there. There's some fabulous talent there. And somebody that I can now cross off my bucket list for the first time, he's going back on the bucket list, is cinematographer Greg Frazier. Greg, two films. If you really want to see, if you want a great double feature, 
to see the depth and scope of Greg Frazier's cinematography, his skill set, Lion, starring Dev Patel, the true story of Saru Briarly, uh, who is a little boy in India at five years old, was on the streets, was taken, put into an orphanage, eventually adopted by an Australian family, and many years later, haunted with, by dreams of, he couldn't remember his his family, he couldn't remember where he lived. Um, he just had little landmarks that, that he recalled. And thanks to Google Maps, um, he actually was able to locate his home and reunite with his birth mother. It is a film that you don't realize. In most films, you get choked up when they're very emotional. This one, within two frames of seeing the young actor, Sonny Pawar, who plays the young Saru Briarly with Deb Patel playing the, the adult, um, just within a few frames of seeing this, this little boy's face, you are osmotically moved to the point that tears are streaming down your face and you didn't even realize it until your shirt's getting wet. It is powerful. It is incredible. And Greg uh, did the cinematography on it, as he also did for Rogue One. So obviously I had to take advantage of the interview time and ask him about the two films. Because of the fact we do have Rogue One opening, we have Lion. Yeah. The one is a super spectacular, CGI-heavy, laden film. We have one, the other that is all about natural light, humanity, yep. the human experience, the emotional experience. Yep. What is the, which one do you prefer, if either, and what is the most challenging and gratifying for you? I'm going to be like, I'm going to take the, play the fifth. I, I think you, neither is most, more challenging than the other. And I think actually what people's expectations of Rogue One are, uh, it's less CG than maybe people might think. Well, I think it's more, uh, what I'm keen for people to see, especially people who have any interest in cinematography, is mm-hmm. to watch Lion and to watch Rogue and to tell me what the similarities are. Because I think, I, I don't see many, many differences between mm-hmm. them. I actually don't see. I mean, where they're set, yes, all those big things. There's not many differences. They're ultimately the same at their core. They're about they're about characters and about your relationships. Mm-hmm. And the fact that one has it does have full CG shots of ships blowing up other ships in space. Mm-hmm. I if throw that away. Mm-hmm. If you take all the space battle away, and you end up with just the stuff that's between actors, mm-hmm. I think it's the same film. I mean, not story. The right. story is incredibly different. But it's the, it's the, the same. Like, it's the human interaction. It's got the same. It's got the same place. It comes from the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, 2015, I shot both Lion and Star Wars. To me, that's a bl- it's a blur right now of of those two worlds. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, okay, India is India, and Pinewood is Pinewood. Like I just I remember being. At, in an X-wing, I remember being in. You looked at your in, frequent flyer miles. You knew you did it. <laughs> yes, but at its core, you know, working with Devin Rooney on a on a on a mattress in Melbourne versus w- working with um, Felicity, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a cockpit of one of the spaceships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, okay, yes, one's in a spaceship and one's on a mattress, but they're the same. It's the same. It's all the same. Well, I'm seeing it Monday night. Okay, cool. So I'm I'm very anxious because of having just seen Lion. Yeah. And it's for that very reason because I love to be able to look at, you know, a cinematographer, directors, and look at the similarities and differences in their work, especially when between genres, so to speak. I'd love to know what you think of the differences. Uh, Oh. Like, I'd love to know what you think, like, the... uh, Technically, what the differences are, and also just, just the, you know, just. Oh, I would love to. I would love to let you know what they are. And, and of course, Greg and I have been in touch since I have seen Rogue One. Now my third showing, going into my fourth, um, and to find out what I think of his technical differences. Well, you'll have to go to MovieSharkDeBlore dot com and check out the interview and uh, my comments on Rogue One. But on the, while I was talking to Greg, because we were there officially for uh, pr- doing press for Lion, I had a chance to speak with the composers, Volker Bertelman and Dustin O'Halloran, now Golden Globe nominees for Best Original Score. 
to find out how they created and melded the worlds of India, Australia, and different time periods. Your score, the music, and your use of piano in this score is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It is so beautiful. You know, I have to ask you, because you have two very distinct worlds and three very distinct tonal segmentations. You've got India, you've got Australia. Then you've got the small child, the adult, and the little convergence there in the middle. How do you sit down and approach creating a melodic soundscape to go with this story? Well, you know, I, I think in this case we just uh, refuse to think about all of that, you know, because in a way uh, we felt like the story is quite a linear story and uh, moments that are happening in his childhood somehow are coming back in, uh, you know, when he's an adult. So a lot of, in a way, music, we used a lot of themes, for example, in a way for flashbacks, even though there was no flashback. Mm-hmm. You can actually see what, which scenes are connected. And Garth Davis was a very big help uh, with that because he, in a way, pinpointed all the you know the, the scenes out where he felt like this, for example, in his childhood, this scene is connected when he's searching for home, and mm-hmm. there he sees the water tower, and we have to start something there that comes back later. So in a way, that helped us, uh, like in a big time to connect musically, but at the same time I think it was good not to go too deep into this kind of uh, structure that was Mm -hmm. in the film, because I I think that there's a flow in it, and uh, in a way you don't feel like it's a a very wide gap between the the childhood and this adult part, and at the same time the music changes, it Mm -hmm. gets clearer and maybe more adult Mm -hmm. towards the end. You know, it, it does, and that's not, that's something that, especially in the beginning, because some you almost went against type. In the beginning, you've got a child, he's energetic, he's running, he's all over the place, and yet we're hearing simple, you know, simple piano notes, which, number one, they do remind you of a child, but it's the opposite of the vibrancy and the freneticism of life that we're seeing. And I just thought that was so beautifully executed. Well, I think the, the, for most of the score, it's it's it, you're following him the entire film, and mm-hmm. it's always his experience, and so everything is very internal. It's a very internal score as well. It's not about scoring the picture ever, really. Mm-hmm. It's about scoring like what, where he's at, what he's feeling, his passage, his spiritual connection that he feels with his mother. All of the, the the sense of momentum that he's feeling in it, in, in, in there's the main theme that opens the film is sort of sets the pace of the journey. Mm-hmm. And the film is, in a way, also the film has a kind of destiny ideas. I mean, the, the sense that like all of these things that happened was it destined to happen with you know the fact that he was able to find and so there's a real spiritual sense of the film that everything had happened would happen that's the you know that's the part of the film that Mm -hmm. gets interesting is that the fact that there's this conclusion to it but like how he grew up and who he became all from these things that you know these series of events that Mm -hmm died, it could have, you know, there's so many things that could have happened to him, and, uh, but in the end, it just feels like destiny in a way, so there's that, we, you know, we used, that was a big discussion in this, in this core as well, and creating these links. So, we'll have to stay tuned for the Golden Globes and see if Volker and Dustin pick up an award for their score of Lion. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Rogue One, see it. And that's all the time we have. We will be back next week, the day after Christmas, with live in-studio guests. Until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. Mm-hmm.